Hey, and welcome to the CCWC podcast. Thank you so much for taking the time to be part of today's message. We hope it inspires you, encourages you, and deepens your faith in Jesus. Enjoy the message. Well, now you might be wondering, are we going to get some answers about all this junk on the stage? Like, who got in trouble for not cleaning up? Today we start a new series to begin this year to build together. This um, series is one that's going to highlight specifically the gospel. It's going to highlight specifically our direction. It's going to highlight specifically the, the proper theology and also the outcome, the response as believers of what it means to live a life that honors God, that reflects Him, that in all things is submitted to the God that created us and that created all. As I was preparing for this specific sermon and specifically this this year, I was interested to read through several of Paul's letters, specifically the one that we're going to land on today, which if you haven't put it together, spells Ephesians. That's, it, it gets there, it just kind of takes a roundabout way. It's easier on the, plat- on the stage when it gets there too. And I couldn't help but think about the fact that the news that he shares... The news that we literally get in several different accounts, but specifically through the book or the letter of Ephesians, is without question almost too good to be true. If you're like me, you um, from time to time will get your mail. I have children, and uh, that's one of the highlights of their days to get the mail. But every once in a while, they'll for, they'll forget. Or they'll not be there and I'll get mail out of the mailbox. And usually you walk through the mail or you look through the mail and you say, okay, I've got a letter and then bill, bill, bill. And then sometimes there's a flashy card in there. Usually it's, uh, it's a little bit bigger than the rest of the mail. It's got lots of colors on it and lots of words. And what the message inscribed on there is inevitably attempting to say is... You have won, or you could be a winner, or congratulations, whatever it might be. You won a new car, you won this, you won that. Let me just say, this this sermon today, this series we're walking into, in many cases can seem like a bill, the cold, the boring theology. But instead, what Paul is attempting to share with us today, the Apostle Paul is attempting to share with us today, is that it is my pleasure to inform you you and I, that while we are yet sinners, God has given us a way. And for those of us who have received Christ, we no longer are sinners, but instead we are now living fresh, new, breathing responses to Him. And now we, we don't have to live separated from God, but instead we can live in glory with Him. This is a plan that, that He created, that He fulfilled, giving forgiveness to both you and I as a response to His initial his initial plan and his initial action. Here's the thing. I, I, I realize this in a lot of cases. We can sometimes hear a message or read a passage or listen to a song and think, for whatever reason, this doesn't include me. Right? We can, we can say, well, uh, the passage is for people who really, who, who have always been believers. Or this, this, this specific sermon is for somebody who grew up in the church or who has it all together. Well, let me just say, the words that Paul expresses today, which were inspired by the Holy Spirit, are for you and I. 
And if I had the time and I knew everyone's name and I knew who was even joining online, I would express every single name this morning because this message is for you. And so the thing that I'm going to say above all else is don't tune it out. Listen to what God has for you today. Listen to what he wants to express to you today. In this specific message, it changes our action, it changes our priorities, it changes our purpose, it changes our mission in life. In essence, this transformation that takes place is not simply just a decision on where we're going to eat lunch or what we're going to do uh, with, with our time during our, our, our leisure time or even what job we're going to get. No, this is a, cha- a, a decision that changes every part of who you are. It changes everything that you do and everywhere that you respond. For the next eight weeks, we're going to walk through the book of Ephesians. We're going to walk through and take a look specifically at how this, this uh, Paul, this, this apostle wrote down kind of like a, a, a diamond shaper. He was one that, that polished and shaped and cut all the diamonds to be perfectly formed in a specific way so that we could understand proper doctrine, which is the, the teaching, the theology about our God, and then also how we can respond to it. Has anyone in here ever heard the, the, the passage, the verse before John 3.16? Anybody? Okay, a few of you. John 3.16 is the nut that fell, that didn't fall far from the tree, but fell from this tree, right? So John 3.16 is basically a verse that expresses what God has done. For God so loved the world. He so loved. He didn't just love us. He so loved the world. He so loved you and I. That he sent his only son, Jesus. He sent a representation himself. God came to this earth, which we just celebrated in, in the holiday of Christmas. He came to this earth. God so loved the world that he sent his son, Jesus, that whoever believes in him. So there's no uh, work that needs to be done. There's no investment physically that needs to be, uh, to be invested. There's nothing that needs to be done besides this reality that we need to believe in him. And believing in him is a, is a very deep word. There's a lot of layers there. It means making him Lord and Savior of our life, recognizing his, his, uh, his sacrifice for us, but also recognizing his authority over us. Make, believe in him will not perish, which let me just pause for a moment because sometimes I think we, we understand this perishing to be different than what is, is actually uh, the reality. We all, we are created as eternal beings. We all have an eternal life. So when we perish, it doesn't mean that we just die and that's it and, and our spirit, our soul is gone. No, our physical bodies are going to pass away. But, but at some point, our body will, our spirit will transition, I should say, our spirit, not body, will transition into eternity. And when it does, we either transition to a place of eternity in paradise with our creator, with God in, in love and in full love, or we go to a place of agony, which is hell. So whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. And that life means that we live in eternity with our God. The gospel in a nutshell in in that verse is what we look at today in this section uh, of scripture, this Ephesians uh, letter, which is basically the gospel in a nutshell, but with a little bit more meat to it. This is the tree from which John John 3.16 fell from. In fact, Paul impresses upon us the understanding of the creation, the understanding of the fall of man, the understanding of redemption through Jesus, and then also restoration in life. Do any of you work with, with young children? Anybody? Maybe a teacher, coach? 
I worked with young children a, a lot of my life, and uh, specifically I remember one time when we took a trip, uh, we took the, the elementary kids uh, to a farm. It was a working farm that was nearby, and many of these kids uh, had not, uh, didn't have a lot of experience being on a farm. They didn't have a lot of, a lot of experience being around farm animals, and I thought this is going to be a really good opportunity for them to learn about uh, a world that really uh, they know nothing about, but it's right in their backyard. I really didn't know a lot about it as well, and so I thought, okay, it'll be a fun time for all of us to kind of walk around and to learn and to grow. And so we get to the farm and we get a, a guided tour from uh, some of the farmers that are there that actually uh, take care of this farm. And we're going from one place to the next. And matter of fact, we started in the farmhouse and we saw a lot of the different things that were going on in there. And the only animal that was in the farmhouse was the house cat, right? The house cat, which you would typically see uh, in, in, in many homes, even in America. Probably most of the kids even had a house cat at home. So to them, it was kind of like, okay, there's a house cat. They would pet the cat. And, and it seemed like, for the most part, the cat just had a little bit of attention. It wasn't that big of a deal. As we made our way out of the house, we went through several of the different barns and buildings, and as we did, the, the farmers would show us the, the animals and tell us about how each one needs to be cared for and what they would do and what they were used for on the farm, and we'd go from place to place to place learning about all these different things, and eventually we saw the kids gathering in one specific spot in one area of the barn. And I thought to myself, man, I wonder what's over there. Do they have like an exotic animal? Maybe there's like a zebra over there or, you know, well, maybe it's just like a, a cow or I don't know what it could be. But these kids, they were like totally excited about what was taking place or what they saw in this one area of the barn. And so as we made our way over to where we were, I looked around, I looked over them, looked around in the, in the, uh, in the, in the stall and all I saw was a, ba a, hay, a bale of hay with a house cat sitting in the middle. And as I looked at the kids, they're kind of throwing things to the cat so it could play with them, and they're, they're talking to the cat while all these other animals are around, and they're, they're focused on this ordinary house cat right there in the middle of all this extraordinary stuff, all these things that are taking place. Can I just say the same potential, the same potential remains, exists for us as we study this book over the course of the next couple of months. Because each one of us, you and I, no matter how much understanding we have of Scripture, have arrived at some form of understanding of our God. You and I have arrived at some form of understanding of the God that created us, the God that we served, and for whatever reason, when we get to that spot, we somewhat, for whatever reason, we rest. And I'm not saying everybody, I'm not saying it's in every instance, there is a form of growth taking place, but we, we get to a certain point where, okay, I've got God figured out enough in this area, so I'm good to just remain here. And we do this either consciously or many times subconsciously, or we remain at that, that house cat. We, we're there, we're petting the house cat, when God's saying, I've got so much more for you. This is the owner's manual for Christianity. And as we look at Ephesians today, like I said, we're going to walk through the entirety of this specific letter. I want to first encourage you with a challenge because I'll probably not say it at the end because we'll be at a different place then. But what I want to say is this, as we break ground together, 
so to speak. As we walk through this project together, as we walk through this study and this understanding together, I want to encourage you not for this to be a simple check-in, okay, I'm going to hear some scripture on Sunday morning, but I want to encourage you to truly study the letter that Paul wrote to the Ephesians and to the universal church, which includes us. And so take some time throughout the week to study either the verse we've just studied or the next one or the passage we are, we're, we're working on or maybe the whole letter. It's only six chapters. Take some time over the course of the next eight weeks to study this letter in depth. Don't just pet the house cat. Don't just come in here and check in and do it and then leave. But instead, listen to what God has for you specifically in these moments. I'm going to pick up, or I'm going to start in in chapter 1, verse 3. It says, Praise be to the God and Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. To the praise of his glorious grace, which he had freely given us in the one he loves. In him we have redemption through his blood. The forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. With all wisdom and understanding, he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he proposed in Christ. To be put into effect when the the times reach their fulfillment. To bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. This first portion of this this section reflects specifically on the blessing of God. This is what God has done. This is what God has done for you. This is what God has done for me. And the first point, if you're following along in your note, God, is this. The Father blesses us with all spiritual blessing in Christ. If you were here for the, the, the play that we did, the, the uh, Missionary of Oz, several months ago, we did a play, and I remember specifically one of the students, as we were walking through the, the, the play uh, and, and rehearsing it, he was kind of getting agitated, getting aggravated with, with the fact that we had to keep doing this one part over and over and over again, and there was a small interaction a small interaction where the, the, the students were talking back and forth and it got to this line where the response was in Christ. That was his actual line. And everybody's talking kind of almost in a monotone voice, kind of walking through. And finally this student goes, in Christ! And we all were kind of, oh, just it was jarring. I thought, wow, how could could we demonstrate that any more than to shout it from the rooftops and express it? And my favorite thing now is that that's kind of become a running joke. And every once in a while, we'll be driving in the car and everyone's kind of silent. And one of my kids from the back seat will scream out, in Christ! (laughs) Try it. It's fun. (laughs) Sometimes I'm the one that does it. But what an amazing thing the Father has done for us in Christ. Verse 3 is, is so key to the whole thing. Praise be to God the Father, our Lord, and Jesus, our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms. Not just with, with things here, with, with, with time, with, with talent, but instead blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. It's interesting here, the actual word blessing is based upon a a Greek word that that is is, uh, related specifically to an English word called eulogy. 
And typically you would hear a, a eulogy at a funeral, Paul, but here Paul's referring to it on a, on a specific way that we probably don't recognize, which is the reality that it means a speech or a piece of writing that praises someone or something highly. This is far beyond simply a speech. This is something that praises God for what he has done, that praises the son Jesus for what he has done, for the, for the actions that he has taken in our lives. In Christ, in him, points to the the means by which this plan was made possible for humankind. I kind of always reflect upon this the same way I do like fishing, right? I can go out and I can fish with a pole, which is so random in a lot of ways. There's this long stick with a reel on it and a line that comes out with a hook that I'm going to try to trick a fish into biting. Or I've got a little bit of food on there, maybe he'll bite on it. When in essence, there's this other way that's so much simpler, it's called a net. And you could take this net and and simply sweep it across the waters in which you are fishing and gather all the fish in there. And I look at this specific thing and I think, man, this is so random, but it is so intentional. God knew what he was doing through the person of Jesus. He recognized and reflected on the fact that this is the only way. Christ is the only way and he affords the means for us. Next is this, God provided the plan for our salvation before the creation of the world. Now, I want to take a moment to talk about this word used here in our English text. It says, for he chose us uh, in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ. Now, let's just pause for a moment. Sometimes this can be a struggle to understand. Because when we read that, things come to mind like, well, if God already chose me or didn't choose me, then why should I become a believer? Or if he already knew that I was going to choose him, well, then I should just do it. Or if he knew I wasn't going to. Now, this in no way questions the sovereignty of God. In fact, it puts an exclamation point on the sovereignty of God, which sovereignty means the authority of God. What this says is not that God chose you or chose me specifically and didn't choose somebody else because if he did, he basically said, I'm creating you and I'm not going to let you pick and you're going to go to hell. No, what this is actually talking about is the predestined plan, meaning that God chose the way by which we would be able to experience the plan of sending Jesus, the plan of entering into our world. Now, it's sad that God knew that we were going we to bring sin into the world, but he, he knew that, and so therefore he already had a plan before the creation of the world for you and I to be able to experience redemption through Jesus. This isn't about who's going to make it and who's not, and God already made the decision. This has everything to do with God's plan before. Because I think sometimes this can be a cop-out too, right? Satan comes to us and he says, well, you know... It's already been decided. If God's so big, can he lift a rock or can he create a rock that he's so big he can't lift it, right? And we get into these kind of semantics. And that's just Satan trying to distract us from the point, which is God is all-powerful. And he created a plan for you and I. The salvation plan was, was known by the Father before the creation of the world and made possible by the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. Moving on in verse 6, God's grace is given to us 
in the one he loved, Jesus. This grace is, is something that is difficult for us to understand as well because we're in the mode of, hey, I need to earn things. I need to work for what I have. I need to work hard. And, and that is true in life. We should work hard. We should step out. We should be an advocate for, for, for working with our hands and, and being useful in the kingdom. But at the same time, we should also recognize that that is a response to the grace that we receive. That is not a way to try to earn grace because if you earn grace, it's not grace anymore. It's payment. We don't make the payment. God already did through Jesus. And so the response that we have is to receive this grace, understanding it's through Jesus. Verse 7 uh, keys in on redemption. Our redemption is in him through his blood. I'm going to go kind of quickly on this part. We are going to revisit some of this stuff throughout the course of the next several weeks. But this this concept of our redemption is done through the blood of Jesus, recognizes the fact that his blood had to be the sacrifice that was necessary for us. God had to die. He couldn't just say, well, I'll come down and snap my fingers. He couldn't just say, okay, you guys are in. That that is his power. That is the way that he could do it. But if, if we truly wanted to receive it, rather than just be robots that he says, okay, you're in. I'm going to make it happen. And there had to be a sacrifice that you and I choose to receive or not to receive. And it's even beyond that. It's not just saying, well, I guess uh, I believe in God. I guess he's real. I guess that there probably is a God. No, it's choosing to receive that sacrifice, to receive that gift that God has for us. And then finally from this portion, verse 10, it says, all things will be brought together. This is the resolution, this unity under Jesus. All things will be, will be brought together. In fact, it's the climax of this chapter. It's what Christ will do. It's what we have to look forward to. It's what you and I have to look forward to if we believe in Jesus. You and I have the, 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 you know, we have many things in life that we look forward to, whether it be, uh, you know, a, a celebration, a, a holiday, whether it be a birthday, whether it be the birth of a child or getting to visit with family. We have all these things to look forward to, but ultimately we have the opportunity. We, we look forward to the fact that one day Christ will bring all things together in unity under him. When the time comes, we, we've, we've reached uh, all that we are. There's this fulfillment of God's plan. Paul speaks of of four aspects, of holiness, of adoption, of redemption, and of of mystery. And the Greek word here for holy refers to position or condition of our relationship with God. Position set aside for a purpose. This this position that we have, we were set aside for a reason. And at the same time, on the other end, blamelessness, this, this without blame, holiness means that we are, we, are, we are no longer, get this, no longer receiving blame for the sins that we have committed because of the sacrifice of God. Now, let me just say, and maybe you need to hear this today, you don't need to carry around shame or guilt for the things that God has forgiven you for. Okay, over here, you need to hear it too. You don't need to carry around shame or guilt for the things that God has forgiven you for because he has forgiven you. That's what forgiveness is. Now, I know it's difficult for us sometimes to forgive another and we hold on to these things and we have this, you know, this, this frustration, this concern, whatever it might be. It's hard for us, but God doesn't do that. He forgives you. That's what it's all about. That's what forgiveness truly is. 
A salvation experience is one where we, we change, we transform in our lives, but God also, in some ways, though he never changes, he does have this change of heart, this change of mind towards us because of the fact that we receive his holiness. This is a complete work of restoration. This is restoration relationships through, through adoption. The salvation plan through redemption. In fact, Romans 3.23 uses this word. It literally means, it, it, lutro, it literally means to buy back. There's another passage that talks about with, with Tamar and Gomer, that this buying back situation where God, he already owned us, but we traveled away, we went somewhere else, and then he buys us back with his blood. The second half of this specific chapter, this portion of the chapter, starting in verse 11, is the benefit of believing. The benefit of believing. So we talked about uh, just briefly, uh, and we will get into more depth, as I said, briefly, specifically, the, the proper theology and understanding of what's happened. But here is our response and what takes place from it. In verse 11, it says, In him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works, who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will. In order that we who were the first to put our hope in Christ, might be for the praise of his glory. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. Amen. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to all or excuse me, to the praise of his glory. Verse 12 specifically looks at this idea of, of what it means to, to put our hope in God. We experience God's plan in this way. We receive, here's the point, we receive salvation should we put our hope in Christ. We receive salvation should we respond by putting our hope in Christ through what we just read about in this gospel and this understanding of the gospel truth. There was a tightrope walker in, in 1860 named Blondet. And, and Blondet was one that would, he would tightrope uh, from building to building, over chasms, over different things. And specifically in, in 1860, he had a thousand foot tightrope over Niagara Falls. Can you imagine someone trying this today? I think somebody did not too long ago. But specifically in that time, he, he, was, he was a talented man. He was a talented tightroper. The, the tightrope was 160 feet above the falls. And should he fall, he, he certainly would have fallen to his death. And he, he, he got out that day and he gathered a crowd and they knew he was going to be there. So more and more people gathered. And as they, they gathered on both sides of the falls, he, he tiptoed back and forth across the line several times. And he did so with the roar of the crowd, everybody cheering him on. They couldn't believe what they were seeing. And finally, he gets to one side and gathers everyone together and says, do you think, do you think that I can do this one more time? And I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, oh, famous last words, right? When everybody says, oh, I'm just going to do this one more time. Can I do this one more time? And they all cheered. They were all excited. Yes, you can do it one more time. And he said, do you think that I can do this with a man on my back? And they all cheered. Yeah, of course you can do it. You can do this. You, we saw you go back and forth. We know you can do it. And he said, okay, do I have a volunteer? <laughs> and of course there were none. 
For they had hope in him when it was all on him and there was no personal buy-in. They had hope in him that he could do it when they didn't have to put any skin in the game. Well, what God says to us, we receive salvation should we put our hope in Christ. Hope is far beyond just saying, God, I hope you show up today. God, I hope you take care of my needs. No, putting our hope in God means that we put our allegiance in him. We put our faith in him. We recognize that what we hear him say, what we, what we read from his word has some sort of buy-in that's going to be far beyond simply just talk because talk can sometimes be cheap. Do you think God can carry us from time to time? Well, yeah. That's putting our hope in him. Do you think that sometimes God comes through even in ways that we don't imagine or in the timeline that we don't want? Yeah, that's hoping in him. You think sometimes when God calls us to say something or to do something or to give something and we don't necessarily know that we have the time, we don't have the, the, the funds, we don't have the energy or the right words to say, you know what? God's going to show up. He's going to do something. It's easy to believe in something that demands very little hope or very little from us. But God demands greatness. He demands our engagement, our faithfulness, our hope in him. And in verse 13, it continues. Verse 13 reads like this, and you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, and right there, I want you to put your own name in there. If you're a believer in Jesus this morning, when you believe, so for me, I'm going to say when Steve Warner believed. So put this in there. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal. The promise of the Holy Spirit. We live in a feeling society. I don't feel this way today. I don't feel like this is the right decision. I don't feel that way. This isn't about feelings at all. This is about a promise. Because I don't know how you're going to feel. I don't know how I'm going to feel this afternoon or this week or next month. But what I do know is there's a promise. And a promise is only as good as the person who makes the promise. And the person who made this promise is the person, the entity, the deity, God, the Father, who created you and I. And he's not, and he never will be in the business of breaking promises. The point is those who receive salvation are marked with a promise. John 14, 6 reads, Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I'll read it again. I am the way, this is Jesus talking, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. This is assurance. This is hope. This is, this is peace. This is new life. This is a game changer. This is, a, this is a, a, a whole new thing. If you're here in this moment, sitting in this place right now, there, there is a, a good reality that you are at a point where you have this certain belief about God. And, and whether it's intrinsic or maybe it's, it's subconscious, you're kind of like, okay, I'm good where I'm at. God wants more for you. He wants a game-changer moment in your life, whether it be salvation for the first time, whether it be the, this next paradigm shift into the next part of life that he has for you. This is all about breaking ground. 
Because sometimes breaking ground obviously is needed to build a new structure. Sometimes breaking up ground helps us to understand that we need to have a new way of thinking, uh, a new way of shaking things up because we've learned it so long for, or for a certain way for so long that it's time for a, a paradigm shift. Here, maybe uh, not this morning, but even yesterday and the day before, this is about breaking the ice. There was a game that I used to play when I was younger called Don't Break the Ice. And you had this little table, it was a little plastic table where it had all these plastic ice cubes that were in there and they were all forced in there. And so it was like they held onto each other and you had this tiny little hammer, right? And there was a guy that would stand on there, his tiny little hammer. And the goal of the game, it's kind of like Jenga, was to tap through the, the little ice blocks and you and your, your opponent would go back and forth tapping out an ice block. And then eventually somebody would knock the whole thing down. It's interesting to me that you'd tap through and then somebody else would tap through. And it was kind of like, okay, I want to I try to make it so that person has to hit out the last one that knocks the little man down. Let me just say, God has already broken the ice. And it was interesting in that game. It was like once you get to a certain point, it was like game on, Right? Okay, now we've really gotten to it. It's not just about tapping a corner out here, tapping a corner out there. Like, it's time for strategy. It's time to get going. It's time for things to happen. Well, let me just say, today, this morning, God has already broken the, the broken ground. He's already broken the ice. And now it's our time. It's our opportunity to respond. Just as this passage says, it's our opportunity to respond to what God has done. God's broken the ice. God's created this plan of salvation. I like that, 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 that the uh, abbreviation there, God's plan of salvation, GPS. Because he has created this plan, this, this, this path. And, and with the GPS, you have the, the specific directions. And certainly there are different ways you can go. And, and there's warnings along the way. And there's, hey, here's another route or here's this or here's that. But this plan specifically gets us from point A to point B. And part of what our lives are in this, in this linear fashion is getting from, from where we are now to getting to God. It's interesting to me that Obviously, we can get to God now. In this moment, we can submit to him, but, but in this eternal perspective, recognizing at some point we're going to pass from this life. We're on the road, on the GPS. Thank you again for spending time with us today. Thank you especially to those of you who give to CCWC. It is through your faithfulness that makes this ministry possible. Also, if you have any questions about today's teaching or if you want to learn more about CCWC, feel free to contact our office, check the web, or follow us on our social media platforms. If you enjoyed today's podcast, we do encourage you to take a moment to subscribe and share it with friends. Let this be a blessing to someone else that you love in your life. You're always welcome to join us on Sunday morning for worship, or until then, we'll catch you on the next one. God bless.